You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. Boy, it's good to be with you this morning. I love to come to worship, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to preach, but I don't want to just go anywhere on Sunday morning. I want to come here, and I want to be with you. And I love worshiping with you. It's been good this morning to be in the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you just to go back in your mind for a moment, will you? And would you remember the last time you prayed? So for some of you, you might say, well, that was when Lewis was praying a few minutes ago. I kind of got lost in my own prayer. Maybe it was earlier this morning that you prayed. And so I'm talking about not, not including meal times when you've prayed maybe before your meal, but prior to that, just kind of go back to that last time that you prayed where you felt like, no, I was really caught up in a conversation with God. Okay, are you there? So are you back at that time? Some of you may be saying, oh, you're kind of roughing me up this morning, Rick. It's been a little while since I've prayed. So I'm having to go back a little further than I'm comfortable saying. But the last time that you prayed, okay? So when you get there and you're at that place, the last time that you prayed, what, what was your goal in that prayer? What were you hoping to accomplish in the prayer? So was it, was it about giving thanks? Was it about spending some time with the Father, just wanted to be in His presence, wanted to kind of open your heart to Him, talk to Him about a few things? What was the goal of the prayer? Was it to specifically ask for something from God? Were you hoping to get God to kind of turn loose of something for you? Were you asking for a prayer to be answered specifically? Was it about getting what God wants? Was that the purpose and the goal of the prayer? Was it about surrendering, submitting, saying, God, it's not about what I want, it's about what you want? Because that is really the way that we are instructed to pray. Let me, let me go with you to Matthew chapter 6. Could we do that together? Would you open a Bible this morning with me? You're going to go to a very familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew 6. I'm going to start reading with verse 5. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some people say, no, no, it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. We know it's the prayer that the Lord taught the disciples to pray, right? It's the instruction He gave them about prayer. And so here's what Jesus says to His disciples starting with verse 5 about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites. Well, what do hypocrites do that is so bad about praying? Jesus says they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You don't want to pray like that. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, I want you to go into your room. And I want you to close the door. And I want you to pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Would you read these words with me? Our Father, 
in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is God's word for us today. Back in 1945, Bethany First Church was a um, fairly young congregation at the time. It's now just over 100 years old. That was the church. It's actually the building that's just across the way here called Herrick Auditorium. Dr. C.B. Strang wanted to reach the youth of the community. And so they raised $25,000. And with that $25,000, they built this building right here. The one prior, this was added on later. Later on, there, were a, there was a croquet court added and uh, tennis courts and softball fields over the years. But the desire was that we want to reach the youth of the community. That was, that was the intention behind building the youth center. It was innovative in those days. People weren't building youth centers. People weren't hiring youth directors. But in 1952, Bethany First Church hired its full-time youth director. And, and behind all of that thinking was simply this, that we have lots of youth in our community and we want to somehow reach them. Fifteen years ago, there was a survey that was done in the community of Bethany. And the questions that were asked people who lived around the church were, how can the church serve you? And so what came out of that survey was that we could really use some kind of a latchkey program for our kids, an after-school program in the afternoons. Many families working didn't feel that affording child care was something they could do, but if the church could help us with our kids in the afternoon. So Jim Poteet was involved in that and really started our first after-school program. He said, we thought if we had 20 kids come that we would be a huge success. And so it was me and Sweet C, Curtis McLean, together. And within six weeks, we had 90 children with just me and Sweet C. It was chaos. And so we had no staff. We had to start gathering other people to help us run the after-school program. And for 15 years, you've provided that free of charge. Here's what happens these days. Now it's summer, so the after-school program just ended. But during the school year, for three hours a day, from three in the afternoon until six in the evening, we have over 250 children on our facility being taken care of by a staff that you provide as a church. Isn't that an awesome thing that you do as a church? I was thinking about it a couple of years ago, and I realized that we probably have more time with many of those students than their parents have. And so we get to talk to them about Jesus. I shared with you when I first came that I was living with this old statistic I'd learned when I was a youth pastor that 85% of people become Christian before they're 18 years of age. And now that number is more like 95% of people become Christian before they're 15 years of age. And so what an opportunity to have these students elementary, mid-high on our property for three hours every day and we get to talk to them about Jesus and we get to love them and we give them a snack and we help them with homework and all of those kinds of things. So, so thankful for, for this church. But this is, this is typical of this church. 
Over the last three years, I'm beginning to learn more and more about you. And this is what I see in you. But, but it's your DNA. Historically, that's where you've been. When the Nazarenes first came to this community, and there wasn't very much here when the Nazarenes first came to this community, you, you begin to invest not only in building a church, but in the education of young people. And you reached out to the community, and you were involved in providing care for orphans and unwed mothers. The result of those efforts is the what today is not a, not a part of the Nazarene Church now, but it's the Children's Center across the street. And the result of the education now has grown into what is Southern Nazarene University, and the church has grown to the point that it is today. This is who you have been, and it's who you continue to be, and I love you for it, and I love getting to be a part of it. So grateful. All of that is about participating in the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, Jesus says. This is how you should pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are all about hoping to see the reality of the kingdom of heaven come to earth. And all of those efforts I've just been talking about, that's what that's about. So Jesus unites this idea of the kingdom of God becoming reality on earth with this idea of teaching his disciples how to pray. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What is Jesus trying to say to us? In verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Don't practice your acts of righteousness in front of men to be seen by them. What does he mean by your acts of righteousness? In the mind of the Jew, there were acts of righteousness. There were obligations, standards that you should always practice. There were three of them. One was giving to the needy. A second was praying. And a third was fasting. And so Jesus says when you're giving and when you're praying and when you're fasting, don't do it in front of people to be seen by them. When you give to the needy, don't go out on the street and sound a trumpet and announce it and let everybody know what you've done. And when you fast, don't dishevel your face and your hair. And No, get dressed like you normally would and anoint your face with oil and don't, don't let everybody know you're fasting. And when you pray, don't go out on the street corners. The Jews were committed to prayer. They prayed every morning when they woke up and every night when they went to bed. The last thing they did was said Shema. They would pray before every meal and after every meal. And three times a day they would pray and many times go to the synagogue for that prayer. And it wasn't uncommon on the way to the synagogue to be detained and maybe even on purpose be detained. And end up standing on a busy street corner right at prayer time. Jesus says that's what hypocrites do. They go stand there to be seen by men. No, don't you do that. When you pray, go in your room, close your door and talk to the Father. The other day I was in a huge hurry, went running into a hospital and um, got there just in time to pray for this precious little lady who was going to have surgery. And as I stood by her bed and held her hand, I was overwhelmed with the idea that I get to pray. And I said something to the effect of God, I am overwhelmed to think that I can talk to you. You, God, who created everything, that I can bow my head and close my eyes and I call on your name and you hear me pray. Doesn't that blow your mind some days? And not only does he hear me pray, but he answers the prayers that I pray. That's amazing to me. God, God who created everything, he hears me when I pray. I don't understand that completely. 
And not only does he hear me pray, but Jesus says, when you talk to God, you can be intimate with him. He's like a a daddy. So this idea of father to the Jewish people is common. All the way back to the Exodus, when God frees them from bondage and Egyptian slavery, he says to you, Israel, my son. And this concept for the nation of Israel as father is common to them. But when Jesus says, no, here's how you pray. You say, Abba. It's okay to say, Daddy. I got to see Andrew and Evan Mosshart last night, and they have a new little baby. His name is Max. And you look over and you see him in Evan's arms, and Jesus says, That's it! (laughs) That's the image I want you to have when you pray. It's little Max resting safely in his daddy's arms. That's the picture. So when you pray, you say, Abba, Daddy. And then Jesus says, you can, you can pray for the kingdom of heaven becoming a reality on earth. And you can pray for provisions. Go ahead, ask for daily bread. You can pray for forgiveness. It's interesting that he puts that in the prayer. I think he's assuming we're going to need forgiveness often. And he also assumes that we're going to need to forgive often. Because we're all a bunch of humans. Lord, help us. Amen? And then he says, pray that you'll be delivered from the evil one. What is this idea, though, of praying about the kingdom of God coming to earth? Your kingdom come. So, it's central to everything Jesus talked about. This is a concept that you have to live with, I think, every day of your life. Here's the way it unfolds in Scripture. In, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is barely introduced to us in the Gospel. And, and in Mark chapter 1, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming, and here's what He proclaimed, the kingdom has come near, the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why I was sent. You understand that's why I came, to talk about the kingdom of God and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 8, he traveled from one town to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, this is why I'm here. It's why I was sent. I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God coming to earth. You understand the concept of parallelism in literature. It's a tool that is used where that there are two lines and the second line really explains the first line. So in the prayer, Jesus uses that concept, that idea rather, that tool of parallelism. Thy kingdom come. So what does that mean? Well, you look at the next line. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it means when God's kingdom comes to earth. That His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. Things just got really personal, didn't they? Because now we're talking about God's will being carried out in your life and in my life. God's perfect will being done. Our Father in heaven. In heaven, His perfect will is done. We want the kingdom of heaven to come to earth and become a reality. 
Just as the will of God is done in heaven, we want the will of God to be done on earth. We, we want to live on an earth where there is forgiveness and there is love and there's acceptance and there's hospitality and there's kindness and there's peace and there's joy and all of those kinds of things. That's what we want earth to look like. I remember reading a book by a guy whose name is Dan Boone, who is the president of one of our Nazarene universities in Nashville, Tennessee. I thought I might get at least one witness out of that. Just one Trevac alumni in the room. I got one. And he said, I grew up in a small church in Macomb, Mississippi. And he said in that small church in Macomb, Mississippi, when life got hard, you know what we sung about? Heaven. (laughs) When life was tough, we would sing about heaven. And one day, we were going to leave this difficult life and we were going to heaven. Interestingly, when Jesus says that you pray... He doesn't say, pray that you will be snatched up into heaven. He says, why don't you pray like this? Why don't you pray that you experience the glory and the beauty of heaven right here on earth? Don't pray that you get snatched up into heaven. Why don't you pray this? Why don't you pray that you begin to experience and you begin to participate and you become a part of the glory and the beauty of heaven taking place right here on earth? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There was a time on this earth when God's perfect will was done. Most of us aren't old enough to remember it. It's a place in a time called the Garden of Eden. And God says, I want to restore. I want to restore earth to that. So what comes to your mind when you think about restoration? For me, I think about a house. I don't know if many of you know, but um, we just moved into a house this weekend. That uh, the first time I walked into, I said I would never live there. This is actually one of the best pictures uh, of what the house used to look like. And it doesn't give you a sense of smell. (laughs) You needed that to really get a full understanding of what we're talking about. And I would show you a picture from today, except since this is moving weekend, it doesn't look a whole lot better than that. So there's a picture from about a month ago. That's the same room. We pulled back the carpet and it was like this aha moment. Obviously the floors had to be refinished. But over the process of about six months, uh, the whole house has been restored. It's been transformed. Uh, But I have to tell you that when I first walked into that house, and I saw it, and I smelled it, and I uh, got kind of claustrophobic in the little tiny kitchen that had too many walls all over the place, um, I said, no way. Absolutely not. Maybe somebody can make this look good. 
but it's not going to be us. <laughs> I don't have the imagination. I don't have the capacity. We don't have the time or energy. Uh, but our good, friend, our good friend Stan Seaton was helping us through this process. The whole reason we were looking for a house um, back at the end of last year was so that we could move closer to be a part of the Midtown Church plant as we get ready to start later this year. And so we had him with us as we're looking at a lot of old houses and some flipped houses. And, and uh, he had not given us a whole lot of approval up to this point. Stan is the man that you want. He, he knows his stuff. But if he doesn't see that the work has been done according to the way he would do it, he'll tell you. And so we were not getting really high ratings on the houses. But he was at this house, and I, I knew for sure he was going to say, get out of here as fast as possible. So I walked through, and I came back and found him, and I'm shaking my head like, no way. And I look at Stan's face, and he is glowing. I couldn't believe it. I mean, he's just like giddy, like a kid in a candy store. And he's like, this house, do you know what you're standing in? This, the, this wood, this, it's beautiful and it has good bones and, and this woodwork and the structure and this. And I mean, he's just going on and on and on and on and on. And I'm like, are we looking at the same house? <laughs> are we standing in the same place at all? He just said, this house used to be so beautiful. Can't you see how beautiful this house, how much love was poured into this house when it was built in 1915? It can be that way again. We can make this place beautiful. This can be a great house for you. This can be a great place for you to host people in your new church and to reach out into your community. This, I think this is it. And I was still shaking my head and I walked out the door and Brent said, you should probably go meet the front, the, the next door neighbor lady. She's out on the, on the porch. So I started walking the porch and uh, she caught me before I, I, I saw her. And she said, hey, don't I know you? Weren't, didn't we go to uh, a workout class together? Aren't you Laura's friend? And Brent's over there going, see, 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 this is the one, this is the one. And that's our house that we just moved in this weekend. I am happy to report that it looks absolutely beautiful. The wood is spectacular. The floors have been refinished. There's a brand new kitchen. But I just keep thinking back to Stan's face. And I think on that day, I saw a glimpse of the heart of God. I think that God says, you don't know how beautiful this was. It was gorgeous. And I know that it would be easier if you just bulldozed it over and started from scratch, but, but it can be beautiful again. I think, of, I think he looks at people, at individuals that way. I think he looks at systems, parts of our culture, maybe even buildings that way. It can be beautiful again. The thing about restoration, though, is that sometimes it feels like it would be a lot easier to start from scratch. <laughs> restoration takes a lot of hard work. 
But I think, I think God's up for it. And I want to be a part of it. If the house that we just moved in to is any indication, I know that God can do even more than refinish floors and redo paint and put a new kitchen in. But to me, I think the home that we will now live in will be a daily reminder of God's imagination and God's desire for restoration. God is all about restoration. In fact, someone said the Bible can be divided into three sections. I think I've mentioned this to you early on. But the first section would be Genesis 1 and 2, which tells the story of God's creation. The second section would be Genesis 3, which tells the story of the fall. And the third section is from Genesis 4 on. Because it's all about God trying to restore what was lost in Genesis chapter 3. God is trying to restore. You, you've been involved in the ministry of restoration for years here in the community of Bethany. And just over the last few years, we've become more involved in the community of Two Lakes with Pastor Thaddeus Black. And, and now we feel that God is calling us to another community, the community of Midtown with Pastor Chris Pollock and Pastor Mikel Levine. And 90 other people who have said, we believe God wants us to be a part of that restoration process. And so we're very excited about what God can do and what God wants to do. So this morning, you remember me telling you a story about my, my friend Andy, who had a dog named Zeke. And do you remember that story? Andy has lots of great stories. One of my other favorite stories about Andy is that he was playing high school basketball, but he didn't get in the game very often. But one, one, one day they were playing and it was almost halftime and the coach calls Andy's number and says, you're in. And so the ball is inbounded to Andy and he begins to dribble toward the other end of the court. But as he does, all of the spectators with the other team begin to shout, six, five, four, three. And Andy got excited and he didn't find anybody who could take an open pass. And so from the half-court line, he just kind of heaves it from his stomach and he misses the backboard and everything. There was one minute and six seconds left in the game when they started the countdown. Not six seconds. And so there was really plenty of time on the board. And Andy says, the next thing I know, I'm sitting on the bench and the coach is like, what in the world's going on here? I think what's happening today is I want to say something to you. I'm the coach, and I'm calling your number, and I'm giving you an opportunity to get in the game. I don't want you just sitting on the sidelines the whole time. I, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to get involved. Somehow, I hear people say things like this, and, and I don't think this is good for us. We say, our church has an after-school program, or our church has this ministry in Two Lakes with a food pantry and, and, and church services, or our church is planning this church down in Midtown. Or sometimes I hear people talking about they have an after-school program, and they have this pantry and this church in Two Lakes, and they are doing this church down in Midtown. I don't think that's good or healthy. I think we should be saying it this way. We have an after-school program. 
And we have a ministry in Two Lakes with a food pantry and a church that started. And we are involved in planting a church in Midtown. And some of you would say, well, Rick, I don't want to say we because I'm not involved. Well, then I want you to get involved. And there's many ways that you can do that. You can get involved by giving. You can get involved by going and actually participating in those ministries. You can get involved by praying. And, and to move to a place to where you are saying, no longer our church is doing this, but we are doing this. I'm involved. I'm part of it. And so there's always, 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 always pressing needs as we are trying to move forward with different kinds of ministry. Let me talk to you a little bit about the Floyd Center. We started the rehab of that building and the primary purpose is the after-school program, but we use it for many other things. I have a couple of pictures of what it's going to look like in a few weeks. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful building, and you're going to be very, very proud of it as a church. And it's going to be a wonderful, effective place of ministry for us. When we started the process, we said, do you think we could do it for about a million and a half? And that was our best guess, and that was what we hoped to keep it to. You can imagine how overwhelmed we were when the first estimates came back at about $3 million, just over $3 million. And We said, no, 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 we can't spend that much money. And so we began to do all kinds of value pricing and everything else and made changes as we needed to make them. But we knew we couldn't make all the changes that we needed to get it back to the $1.5 million. And so the board signed a contract for $2,250,000, $750,000 more than we hoped it would cost. But we knew that that was the building that we needed. And so here's what we did. We had asked you to give, and, and, and you gave almost a million dollars. You gave $975,000. Isn't that awesome? We just asked you to give. We didn't make huge deals of it. We really took one Sunday to talk about it in a major way. And you have given since then almost a million dollars. We put about 125000 with it. We had 400000 when we started. And now we have about $1.5 million on hand. We don't want to borrow the money to finish paying for the Floyd Center where the after-school program takes place. We would love to receive the money in an offering. <laughs> now, I know it's a lot to ask, but I'm going to ask for a little more than the $750,000. We are supporting Two Lakes very well these days. Our district is helping us do that. And we are paying all the salaries that are there and supplying the food. You're, when you give in, a tithe, in your tithes and offerings, you are giving to support that ministry. And there's no pressing needs at Two Lakes today, but there are pressing needs with the Midtown Church plant today. I can only imagine all the costs that would be needed to start a new church. And as we look at budgets and somewhere to worship and all those things, we're really overwhelmed, I'll be honest with you. So we said, what if we didn't ask for $750,000? What if we asked for a million dollars? And every dollar that comes in, we give 25% of it to Midtown. And they're starting of a new church. And so, if you think you're misunderstanding me, you're probably not. Rick, you're saying that you're asking us to give a million dollars in an offering. I am. Do you remember back in the 80s, all Robert said if... He didn't raise like eight million bucks. God was going to take him home. Okay, I'm not saying that, all right? I think if we come short, the Lord may let me live here a little bit longer. 
But it's not out of character for you to give a million dollar offering back when Dr. Ponder Gilliland, one of your former pastors, stood up and asked you to give a million dollars in one Sunday and you did it. And so I would never ask that in one Sunday. I'm giving you ten weeks. <laughs> Stretching it out. So all through the summer, here's what I would love for us to do. Every Sunday, take, receive an offering. And, and here's, here's how I want you to pray through the week, okay? God, would you provide an offering that I can take to church next Sunday? It's that simple. God, would you provide an offering that I can take to church next Sunday? And, and I don't know how God's going to provide that offering. It, it may be that you would say, you know what, I, I have something I'm going to sell. I don't have to have this. I don't need it. I can sell it. It has value. That's the offering I'm taking this week. Maybe it's something you give up. I'm not going to do this over a 10-week period or I'm going to cancel this subscription or whatever. Or maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out something that I can make. Something that I can earn some money with because I want to take an offering every Sunday for this idea of restoration, what God is doing here in Bethany, the community, and what God is doing in Midtown. I don't want to sit on the sideline. I want to get in the game. I don't want to say they're planning a church. I want to say we're planning a church. I don't want to say they have this after-school program. I want to say we have an after-school program. And so to pray is so crucial. To get involved and actually go is so crucial. And to give is so crucial. And you know what we're going to do next Sunday? This Sunday we're going to take an offering to attend the service. And next Sunday, and for 10 weeks... At one point of the service, we will say, everybody look at the screen. Here is how much we have so far toward our $1 million goal for these 10 weeks. So every Sunday, we'll have tours that you can take through the Floyd Center and that will be available. Myself, others, will get to as many Sunday school classes as we can to talk about this offering and what we're trying to do. And we will have on our website, Restoration, you can click there and learn more about this and the projects that we're involved in and what we're trying to do in these communities. Do you think we can give a million dollars in 10 weeks above our tithes and offerings? I'm not finding all the encouragement I thought I might find. <laughs> but do you believe in your heart that we can give a million dollars in 10 weeks? I, I have no, no doubt, no doubt that we can. I, I believe we can do it. And so here's what Annette and I are already doing. We kind of had a jump start. We're praying, Lord, we're going to church next Sunday, and we want to take an offering with us. So will you provide an offering that we can take? I'm not asking you to go borrow money. I'm not asking you to make a pledge. I'm just saying, pray a simple prayer that says, Lord, I'm going to church Sunday and I'm going to take something as an offering for restoration. I don't want you marking your tithe for restoration. Just continue to, to give your tithe as you always have. This is an offering. This is something God is doing in our lives that's above what we've been doing. And I'm going to take an offering. And so, as you think back about this past week, okay, you weren't aware, many of you weren't praying, you weren't thinking about it. But has God provided an offering for today? Would you say, you know what, Rick? I could give an offering today for restoration. 
God has provided an offering for that. And as you pray, if you feel in your heart that it's the right thing to do, I want you to give even this morning. We're going to receive our first offering this morning. And there's envelopes in front of you, and they're simply uh, marked with the words restoration. And so if you can just kind of look down over these next few weeks, we would ask you to give this way, okay? So we have three ways that you can give these days. Many of you give online. And some of you would say, I will give, but I won't come with an offering. I will give it online before I get there. And you can give online. You just simply go and follow the prompts that are online. There's another way that you can give, and it is by text giving. Uh, you saw a video before the service this morning, and a phone number will come up on the screen in just a moment. And that, that is how you text give. It's really easy to do. You text the amount, and then you just space, and then then just text the word restoration. So the amount, if it's $100, it would be $100 space and the word restoration. And so you can give by texting. Or you can give by the ancient method of putting something in an offering plate. That works too. We still do that here every Sunday. So, But this morning before we leave, I'm going to ask you if it is possible for every person in this room to give an offering for restoration. We're inviting our children to get involved in their Bible school offering. We're inviting teenagers to get involved. We, we want it to be this church-wide celebration of God's provision. And so even this morning before you go, is, is it possible that you could give an offering for restoration? Well, I haven't thought about it, prayed about it, talked about it with my spouse, my family, or whatever. If you have to do that, I understand. But it, it could be that you could say, no, I could... There's something I could give today. God has provided. I have the ability this morning, Pastor Rick, to give something in this offering. And, and I can do that before I leave. And so I just wondered what, what it would be like for us this morning. What, what, what God might do through us just today. And so I, I had a heads up. I know that's a little unfair, but, but I brought an offering this morning. And I just thought, what, what might God do through us? If we just ask the question, God, have you provided that I can give an offering this week so that the kingdom of heaven can become more of a reality on earth? I'm not praying that God snatches us all up and takes us to heaven. I'm praying that we experience the glory and the beauty of heaven on earth in our lifetime. And we want to see it happen in this community in that community, in that community. So the ushers are going to come in a few moments. You guys are going to come. We're going to sing. We'll receive our morning offering. Let me pray for you before we do. Father, I'm asking a lot. But I have felt in my heart it's the right thing to do. And I know something about the people who sit in front of me. Their track record tells on them. They are giving people. They are gracious people. And they are people who are excited about seeing your kingdom come. You are our provider. And you have blessed many of us. And, and many of us 
can give an offering today. And over these next several weeks as we come to church, we'll be praying one prayer. Lord, would you provide an offering that I can give for restoration? We're trusting you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the ushers come, would you text give or give online or give in the offering and along with your tithes this morning would you give in a restoration offering god bless you as you give the splendor of the king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice let all the earth rejoice in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great
So next Sunday, we are going to be receiving an offering, but I want you to come anyway. Because I'm going to be preaching next Sunday from the first chapter of the Gospel of John. It'll be a three-week series titled, Come and See. Four weeks, actually. A few months ago, God began to speak to me as clearly as He's ever spoken to me through His Word. And, and I'm as excited about sharing these next few sermons with you as I have been any sermons I've ever preached. And so, please, please be here next Sunday. And, and let's open God's Word together. And let Him speak to us as a church. Amen? And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.